Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Magazine Christianity by Pastor Sean Wood. And so this morning we come to to listen to your word and to open our hearts. May we have eyes to see and ears to hear, I pray this morning, in your wonderful and glorious name. Amen. If you'd like to make your way to Colossians chapter 1 this morning... As you're making your way there, uh, just a little bit of backstory. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke about the parable of the talent and just a little bit of a recap. Uh, our, our mission and our goal here at The Rock is firstly to reach people for Christ. A little bit more about that next week, uh, but also that God would do a work that is both deep and wide. And so, yes, reach people for Christ, but do a deep work in our own hearts and our own lives, preparing us for the day when we stand before Christ. And so uh, some of the key words that we found from the parable of the talents was that the talent is not a coin, it was a weight of measure. And one of the important things about that is heaven is not merely a check-in, but it's a weigh-in. That we will stand before Christ on the scales, uh, and we'll expose a little bit more about that today, and we will be weighed. And another important word was that the good and faithful servants went and traded. But what does that mean? And what does that look like today? You're asking really good questions and we're going to make our way there. But before we do, does anybody here read magazines? You you look like a Clio kind of guy. (laughs) Hey, listen, if you're going to sit in the front row, you're open target, by the way. (laughs) Uh, But most people probably do. I don't read a whole lot of magazines, but I do read one. Uh, the one magazine that I do read, it's only a quarterly magazine, and you guessed it, it's all about fishing. Uh, but but uh, who would have guessed, right? Who would have guessed? But it's the only magazine I read. Uh, for a long time, uh, I had a subscription, but I counted it because uh, they re- use the Lord's name in vain. So out of a personal protest for a while, uh, I didn't have the magazine. But this is why I buy this magazine. I, I actually enjoy fly fishing. Uh, and what I like about this magazine is there are editorial arg- articles in here. There are, there are articles about guys that are traveling. There's articles on a variety of species of fish. But on every single page of this magazine, it doesn't matter where you turn, it's about fly fishing. So I have a question this morning before we go any further. If your life was a magazine, does Christ fill every page? Or is he on the cover only? Good question. Paul writes a letter to the Colossians, a church that he'd never been to, a church that he did not found. He writes a letter to the Colossians and throughout the letter, he exposes a number of problems. They were very carnal Christians and and by the time we get to chapter 3, he's going to implore them to put off the old self and put on the new self and and he exposes some problems. They become subject to some weird and wacky teaching, a little bit that in a moment. But, But what Paul does say is all that's happening on the outside is the problem of one thing. One thing that's on the inside. My heart for us as a church today is that if our lives were a magazine, that every person in this church, every page would be filled with Christ. That, that everybody, if somebody was reading the magazine of your life, everywhere they turned, it wouldn't matter whether you were at work, it wouldn't matter whether you were with your family, it wouldn't matter where you were or what you were doing, they would see Christ. That's my hope. That's my prayer. 
That's what we labour for here as we make our way to the book of Colossians. What's going on here? Why has Paul written? Uh, a, a guy by the name of Epaphras, uh, I was meeting with some pastors recently, and I said, if, if there's anything I would like of somebody to say to me, it's what Paul says of Epaphras. Paul says of Epaphras that he was a faithful minister of Jesus Christ. But Epaphras has got a problem. He's pastoring a reasonably troubled church. You see, uh, the Colossians uh, started out well, and we know, and we'll see in some of the language through chapter 1, that uh, Epaphras takes the gospel to the Colossians, and they grab the message of the gospel, and they start really well, but then some false teaching creeps in. There's some false teaching that was all about experience. And we're going to get to that in a moment as we work our way through. It was all about experience. And they grabbed hold of a teaching called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism comes from the Greek word gnosis, which is about knowledge. And Gnosticism was all about this special knowledge. There was a special initiation to be a part of the elite that had the special knowledge. And so uh, I'm just going to press the pause button right now. If you hear anybody claiming they have the special knowledge, anybody in church circles that is claiming I see and everybody else is blind, don't walk away from them. Run. We've all been given the one revelation of God and Christ Jesus. We all read the same word. There's no, there's no special tier of anybody, uh, but the Gnostics claimed you, you had to have this special knowledge. But all of their teaching did something that we see even today. All of their teaching was about dethroning Jesus. It was all about reducing his divinity. It wasn't all about Jesus anymore. It was all about this special knowledge and a little bit of Jesus added in. And why I love the book of Colossians is anybody that's trying to live a compartmentalised life where Jesus is just a compartment of your life, the book of Colossians tears that apart. Jesus will never be a compartment of your life. He will be the life that you compartmentalise the rest up into. He didn't, never does Jesus want a room in your house. He demands to be the house that you divide the rooms up into. And so the Colossians, Epaphras goes to Paul and says, I've got some problems with these guys. Uh, this, this teaching sounds really good and I don't know how to combat it. So Paul says, give me a pen. <laughs> Hold my coffee and give me a pen, says Paul. And I love what Paul has to say. Let's, let's work our way through the book of Colossians. Uh, Paul, chapter 1, uh, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ Jesus at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God, our Father. Verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith. And can I just press the pause button there? Uh, I want to live the kind of life where my faith is audible where everybody hears about my faith. I want to live the kind of life and the kind of Christianity where the devil's glad when I pass into heaven because I'm off the playing field. Thank goodness he's gone to glory. That's the kind of faith I want to live. Paul says, you know what? I've heard about your faith. You guys started off well, but uh, this teaching has crept in. It's a teaching that dethrones Jesus. It's a teaching that waters down 
Christ and the gospel that removes away from the divinity of Christ, we have that teaching in church circles today. It's called progressive Christianity. It must be highlighted and attacked wherever we see it. Because it seeks to remove the glory and the divinity of Christ. And that's what the Colossians have grabbed hold of. And We've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Why? We've heard of your faith and, and we've heard of the love that you have for the saints. Verse 5, I love this, because of the hope that is laid up. And, and for those that joined us a couple of weeks ago with the parable of the talents, uh, we see faithful and good servants that, that traded with the master's investment while he was away. Because of the place the master had in their hearts. They had a reverence for the master. They had, a, they had a fear and a respect for the master, so they traded while he was away. And I love this term that Paul uses here. Uh, in uh, Persian history, uh, they would quite often lay up riches and wealth for good and faithful servants. And the whole idea was that it would motivate those servants to good works and to, and to faithful service because they knew that the master was laying up for them a reward for their service. It motivated everything they did. It permeated everything they did every day because we're working towards that moment. It's the same for us. We have a similar hope. And we have a hope when we will stand before the master and he will give us a reward. And Jesus says in Revelations chapter 22, and, and for those that haven't read to the end of the book, everything's going to be okay. But Jesus says, I come soon and I bring my recompense. I bring my reward with me. And Paul says, I've heard of your faith and I've heard of your love for one another all fueled and motivated by a knowledge that God is storing up a reward for each one of us. Because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven, we, we conduct our lives differently here on earth because we have a greater hope in heaven. If we go back through church history, if we, if we look at the saints that fill the pages of church history, those great saints that have changed generations and brought in great moves of God, you will find they lived their life here in the fullness of the reality of the next life. They realised that the weight was placed upon the next life. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, the gospel which has come to you as indeed the whole world. Interesting phrase for another day. Uh, it is bearing fruit and growing, that's the gospel, as it also does among you. You know what? When it comes to church life, it's really simple. Don't tell the board this, by the way. I've got the easiest job in the universe. <laughs> it's easy. The gospel does its own work. All we have to do is live and proclaim the gospel that we have been given. We don't have to water it down. We don't have to change it. We don't have to... Uh, uh, if you're wondering uh, how could I possibly make Jesus more attractive, I can't. It's impossible for me or any other person to make Jesus more attractive. Uh, my hope and my prayer is that the veil would fall and you would see him in all of his glory and you will know. The more you see Christ, you will know you can't make him more attractive. We just need to see more of his glory. Just the smallest snippet of his glory will change your life. 
as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ Jesus on your behalf. Uh, what does a faithful minister look like? It looks like uh, I will do the work of God no matter what's going on around me. I will do what God has called me to do no matter what other people say, no matter what's going on. My circumstances may not be fantastic right now. All of the expectations I had for my my wonderful international ministry or whatever it may be, may not be panning out how you thought it is. But here's what faithfulness looks like. A good and faithful service says, I'm going to do what God has called me to do, no matter. And if we could go back in time to Colossians, when, when Paul was writing this, Epaphras was getting slammed. Epaphras and Timothy, Timothy's mentioned here, Timothy was pastoring a troubled church in Ephesus and they were looking down their nose at him because of his age. And he writes to Timothy and says, don't let them look down on you because of your age. God has placed a gift inside of you. Do what God has called you to do. Fan into flame the gift of God that has been placed inside of you. And so today I want to charge everybody here, a faithful servant looks like I'm going to do and I'm going to get about what God has called me to do. Faithful in the small to begin with, God increases. He's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and he has made known to us your love in the spirit. First nine, we're now coming to some words that Paul has. Paul uh, is going to speak about how he prays. I wonder if you'll pick this up. Uh, Happy Father's Day, but uh, I have to expose the word for what it is. I've read a lot of prayers, uh, Paul's prayers, excuse me. And I've noticed something. He never prayed for the suffering and the trials and the persecution to be removed from anybody. It's never what he prays. He prays that they would have a knowledge of the love of God. He prays that they would be strengthened because he knows, you know what, the more you see Jesus, you'll suffer anything. You'll weather anything. It's interesting what the focus of Paul's prayer life was dramatically changed my focus. Verse 9, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray. Uh, uh, Just a side note, prayer for Paul in the first church, it wasn't a one hour a day thing, it was a lifestyle. Didn't matter where Paul was, didn't matter what boat he was on. Paul was holding a prayer meeting on a boat that was about to be shipwrecked in one of the greatest typhoons that had been experienced. He's having a prayer meeting and he gets up and says, well, God's told me that we're all going to be okay, but you've got to stay on the boat. Doesn't make any sense. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled. This is a really important verse because of what flows afterwards. So that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we're going we're to have a look at that sentence because what comes after is so as, which now means everything Paul says in the next part of that paragraph is leaning on the first part. So as, so as what? So as you could walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. What does that mean? Fully pleasing to him. Anybody else here would like to live a life fully pleasing to God? I'm sure everybody will say yes. That's what we all want. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And all of that last part rests on the first part. The word filled is a really important word that Paul's using here. I pray that you would be filled 
with a knowledge of God's will. Because what had begun to fill the Colossians was a whole lot of other stuff. Was, you see, mixed up in Gnosticism, it's a lot like New Age because anything goes in Gnosticism. They had a little bit of Jewish mysticism going there. So be careful with the Jewish rabbinic traditions, by the way. That's sermon for another. Just be careful how deep you go there because those same rabbis put Christ on the cross. But these guys had got lost in anything goes. They had been filled with so many other things. Uh, Paul says, I want you to be filled not with everything and anything. I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will. The word filled is really important. Most of us might know uh, that Paul says to the Ephesians, do not be filled with wine which is excess. Filled, same word. Do not be filled with wine which is excess, but, but be filled with the Spirit. Or be being filled, present tense, always be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul, what did you mean by that? And what do you mean to be filled with a knowledge of God's will? You can't be filled with a knowledge of God's will without being filled with his word. But, but what do you mean by all of this, Paul? And what does it mean to be filled? And, and often when we think of filled, we think, okay, empty glass, water, empty cup, coffee, empty drain, kale juice. <laughs> We've got you locked in over there. <laughs> Uh, but the Greek term it means something a little bit different. Uh, they would use the word field to speak of a wind that fills the sails of a boat. Uh, they would use the word to speak of salt that permeates into meat to flavour it. Uh, it's Father's Day, men. You deserve a big red steak. The kind of steak that has the salt and flavour my apologies to the vegans in the room and the vegetarians, but my apologies uh, uh, the complaints department. Liz is back, please, Liz of the Rock, for anybody that has any complaints. But, but it speaks of every bite you take of that steak, it's flavoured. And it speaks of being dominated or controlled or under the influence of completely. And so I want to ask everybody in this room today, what are you filled with? What would, what would happen if we all intentionally said, I'm going to fill myself as best I can with God's word? Uh, if Paul, uh, and I'm glad the complaints department's open this week, uh, if Paul was writing today to the Colossians, here's what Paul might say. Paul might say, spend less time on Google, more time in Bible. If you're looking for truth, it's not always on Google. While you're picking your jaw up off the ground. Um, the, Google is a great tool. The internet's a great tool. Facebook can be a great tool to witness. Social media can be a great tool. But what's filling your life? At the end of the day, uh, uh, all of the 50,000 things you could find on Google any one day, they might happen. The world might be, about to, might be about to end. They might be about to establish a new government somewhere. They might be able to do all of those things. But I don't care because my God's still on the throne and I couldn't care less. Amen. That doesn't change. 
whoever the President of the United States is, and I don't think anybody really knows right now, but whoever the President of the United States is, it doesn't change where my God sits. Liz at the Rock, L I Z. You have a spiritual gift, Liz, of, of bearing my complaints. Thank you. And I have many, I'm sure. Uh, to be filled, asking that you would be filled. I have a question today. What is filling you? What is filling you? Um, to aspiring preachers, uh, what comes out on a Sunday is what you put in during the week. To aspiring worship leaders, what you put in during the week is what comes out. If you're not a worshipper at home, you're not a worshipper on the stage. If you're not diving into God's word during the week, it doesn't matter whether it's kids rock or whatever. We have a commitment here to God's word and to God's truth because when his word fills us, permeates us, governs every part of our lives, and it's, a, it's an ongoing challenge for all of us. We, none of us will perfect this before we go to glory. But the enemy is doing a really good job at the moment at distracting a lot of Christians on Google. Yes. Got them running around about everything else. And he's happy for you to be running, even if they're apparent biblical websites, he's happy for you to be running around focused on anything and everything apart from his word and Christ. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And spiritual wisdom, what is wisdom? Wisdom is the God-given ability to apply knowledge. And knowledge is, if you want to look at it in, in respect of our part and God's part, uh, knowledge is our part. Wisdom is God's part. The Holy Spirit does help us with the knowledge part. He helps us to see, he illuminates God's word, but that's more of the wisdom. And so I would encourage you to keep putting into your life so that the Holy Spirit can work it through you. You see, we want God to do a deep work in us, yes. That he may do a deep work through us is how it works. God's God's always worked according to that pattern that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The Colossians had lost it. They were off, focused on anything and everything else they could, and Jesus had lost his place. Now we're getting there. Now we're getting to the crunch. Before we get there, what does it look like to trade? Uh, For those who can remember, a a talent was a weight. So how can we add weight to our lives? He says, I'm asking that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. Fill yourself with his word. uh, uh, What does Romans uh, chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 say? Uh, Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to test and prove what is the acceptable will of God. Uh, A knowledge of God's will is conducting your life and walking throughout this world with God's glasses on. You view the world like God does. You view finances how God views them. You view politics how God views them. Crazy. You You view everything concerning church life and your family life as God does through the lens that he has given us. Transformation. So as... 
So as what? So as you may walk in a manner worthy. Uh, That's a really interesting phrase in the Greek. What it means is to bring up the other beam of the scales. The the easiest way to understand this is, uh, imagine standing before Christ and we're put on the scales and and God puts Christ's likeness on one end and the scales go chunk like that. I know for you guys, you'll balance it out. But for me, it's like, well, but adding weight and bringing up the beam, that's what it means to bring up the beam of the scales, looks like conducting yourself in a manner that is worthy. Conducting yourself in a manner that is fitting for the people of God. You don't just have Christ on the cover of your magazine. Every page begins to be filled with Christ. People see Jesus around your dinner table. People see Jesus when you're in the lunchroom at work. People see Jesus when you go to school. People see Jesus when you're paying for your groceries at the supermarket. They see Jesus. To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And you can't do that until we can see the world how God sees it. See blessing and suffering how God sees it. Nowhere in scripture is blessing actually associated with physical goods. Blessing is an internal contentment. Yes, God does give us uh, many things in this life to enjoy. Ecclesiastes tells us to enjoy what it is that God puts in our lap to enjoy. But blessed are those who are what? Poor in spirit. Oh, that's interesting. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who mourn now. Blessed are those... Ah, it's different. Not blessed are those who can afford a surface Bible. We can't afford those. (laughs) Blessed are those who walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit. What that means is, and uh, we're getting to the crunch, closer and closer to the crunch. What that means is this. uh, Bearing fruit simply means that what's on the inside begins to show up on the outside. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. These are wonderful words. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Uh, Have a listen to some of these words. Giving thanks to the Father, why? Who has qualified you. Anybody here feel unqualified this morning? My hand went up immediately. But God has qualified all of us to share in the inheritance of the saints. Wonderful. Verse 18, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. We could spend weeks on these words. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, a transfer that you could not complete, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And Paul's only praying. He's just having a prayer meeting and that's what came out and and now we're getting to the crunch. Most people will know, and I've copped a bit of flack from other pastors for it that have listened to some of the sermons, but most people will know I'm not a practical kind of a guy. I'm not a practical, here's your three steps to glory kind of a guy. And I don't make any apologies for that. Uh, At the end of every sermon, I don't give you three steps to what you have to do, uh, simply because what we don't need in our lives is more lists. And the other reason is I could give you a five-step list, which you go away this week and you manage to complete, but unless we deal with the inner problem, we're going to be back with another list. That's what Paul is saying to the Colossians. 
Paul is saying, you know what, everything that's going on on the outside, there's a fair bit of craziness going on on the outside. You guys are being subject to this uh, weird teaching. You guys are off in the flesh all the time. You're still immature Christians. And all of that that's happening on the outside is because of a problem on the inside. Christ has lost his preeminence. Christ no longer fills every page. Let's read what Paul says about Jesus. To those that were embracing weird teaching and were lost in the flesh, he wants them to know he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know how much God loves you today, have a look at the arms stretched out on the cross. The firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He just may be the most important person here. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Why? That in some things, no that in everything he might be preeminent. Our mission here, you can read on the back wall, our mission here at this, uh, the Rock Christian Church is to passionately pursue the preeminence of Christ in everything, which is a really jumbled up, fancy bunch of words that means make Jesus number one. Uh, most people here will know, what does this even mean? Most people here will know that my daughter and my grandson uh, moved to Tasmania recently. Uh, and we're still negotiating visiting rights for when George comes back and, and stays with us. But uh, every morning at breakfast time, George FaceTimes me. And now he kind of catches me on the bike every now and again. But it's always at the breakfast table when he's sitting in his high chair, having breakfast, he FaceTimes me. And that was going all right for a while. He'd look at the phone, he'd talk to me for a while, he'd throw his breakfast everywhere, he'd, he'd, he'd frustrate his mother, which is fine, I don't mind if he frustrates his mother, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me, that's welcome to parenting. Uh, but uh, then after a while, it kind of, he would sit at the table eating his breakfast watching Ra-Ra. Now for those who don't know, Ra-Ra is Aramaic for Miss Rachel. Miss Rachel is a new sensation on YouTube and most people here that have got young kids may know who Miss Rachel is. But Miss Rachel is uh, the bomb.com if you're under two, apparently. Uh, and so now what happens is uh, when the FaceTime comes on, I say, good morning, George. He looks at me and he goes, rah, rah. Turns around and watches the television. Which is George speak for... Whatever, I'm watching Rara. And you know what? I'm yelling at him through the phone. And I'm clapping my hands trying to get his attention. And every now and again, he'll turn around and go, Rara. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about this this week. I wonder how many Christians today are just like George. Jesus is shouting at us. And every now and again... We throw him a coin. Ra-ra. But ra-ra's the world. I'm busy, Lord. You know what? It's okay if you're under two. Paul says to the Corinthians, when I was a child, I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. And for those who want to mature, bear fruit and grow up in Christ, there's a moment when we put childish ways behind us. We, put, we turn rah-rah off. 
And we make it all very complicated and sometimes we try to make it all really mystical. But I want to give you the simplest thing today to take home with you. The most practical thing you can do is turn off the television to the world and start focusing your attention on Christ and see what he does in your life. Give Jesus back his preeminence. Preeminence means to be distinguished above all else, to be surpassing in some way or majorly distinguished. Is Jesus surpassing everything else in your life? You see, Paul says to the Colossians, we've got a lot we've got to deal with in four chapters, but but here's the main thing. If you get this right, everything on the outside begins to fix itself. If I give you a five-step list today to go home, it's like decorating the Christmas tree. You know, when you bring the Christmas tree home, everything looks great. It's nice and green. You throw all the decorations on it and the tree begins to die. Why? Because it's not connected to the vine. But what, what do we do? We, we want to come every Sunday. Just give us some more decorations to chuck on the tree. You can chuck all the decorations on the tree you like. It's dead. Jesus says, John chapter 15, if you want to bear much fruit, you need to abide in the vine. The question I have is Jesus preeminent in everything in your life, not some things. As I bring this to a close this morning, I, I want to highlight why this is important. I'm going to qualify this statement now when I read a passage that Jesus... I wasn't going to read this, but, um, you know, Father's Day and lamb roast and all that sort of stuff. When you stand before Christ... Please grab this today. When you stand before Christ, the most imperative and important thing will not be what you have done. It will be whom or what you have loved. Let me qualify that statement. Here's what Jesus said. In the greatest sermon ever preached, if you want to know what it looks like to be a good preacher, uh, learn from Jesus. He was awesome. Uh, Chapter 7 of Matthew, verse 21. Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord. Ah, yeah will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, verse 22, on that day. Here we go again. Same terminology from Matthew chapter 25, on that day. On what day? On that day when you stand before him. I am not doing my pastoral duty if I don't warn you about this. Who wins the football premiership and whether the Broncos are going to win the minor premiership is not important today. On that day, many will say to me, "Ah, what will they say? But Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? You see, it's not important what you've done. It's important who you've loved. Many... People say, tune in next year. I'm looking forward to next year because we're going to do a series with the book of Acts. But we have to do a massive series on the wonderful, glorious person of the Holy Spirit. And I'm really, really excited because when we get to that point, we're going to realise that at one end of Christianity, we have what we would call conservative. Over here... They sound very biblical. They look very biblical. 
They tell you that the Holy Spirit, they can, they can even tell you he's a part of Scripture, but he's not a part of today's experience. That's what this side would say. Now hold the bus for a moment. Because over this side, this is why we've got the aisle. Now I can, you know, the left and the right, the, the sheep and... No. But, <laughs> but over this side, we have the other end of the scale. And the other end of the scale is we've left biblical foundation and truth for the pursuit of experience and now we're off in our own place. But the good news is, and, and I want to just give you a taste, the good news is that the Bible actually shows us that there's a wonderful middle ground where the Holy Spirit, that wonderful person, the Holy Spirit, should be a part of our everyday life. His power and his presence should be a part of our everyday life. But through Biblical foundation. And I'm looking forward to that. But some will say, unless we see this or experience this, it's not about what you do or what you experience. It's about a person and it's about a relationship. Verse 23, Jesus says, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. I never had an intimate relationship with you. That's the most important part. If you're sitting here today saying, how on earth can I possibly make Jesus preeminent in my life? Go home and fall in love with Jesus. Go home and open his word. Go home and give him all of your attention. What do I have to do to make you number one? Are you number one in my day, Jesus? Are you the first thing that I think of and give my attention to? Or do I look through Facebook first thing in the morning? Uh, are you the? Uh, am I here on Sundays honouring you? And, and do all of those things. Uh, is Jesus... Preeminent in your life. Because the most important thing when you stand before Christ will not be what you've done, it'll be who you've loved. My heart for this church is that we would be a people deeply in love with Jesus. And that's not hard. And it's not reserved for just a couple of people. This is for all of us. I pray that you go home today and that the Holy Spirit will flick... Hey, he's been doing it to me this week. That the Holy Spirit will flick through the pages of your life and show you those places where Christ has lost his preeminence. Church isn't all about buildings, lights, awesome people from Tasmania. It's all about Jesus. It's all about falling in love with him and loving one another. Let's pray. Father, as we close today... I do pray that fathers would be honoured this afternoon, but Lord, may our hearts honour you in this moment and in this time. Holy Spirit, may you, may you scan the pages of the magazine of our lives, and Lord, may you not just appear on the cover. Oh Lord, may you just please never just appear on the cover. But Lord, may Jesus be seen in every part of our life, in our speech, and in our thoughts, and in our desires, and in our, in our wants. Lord, I thank you. Jesus, you came for our hearts.
And if you have our heart, Lord, you have all of us. I pray that you would invade our hearts. In the glorious name of your Son, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.